We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, El Monte. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, El Monte. Well, if you have a Bible today, let's open up to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. You know, we're going to see that today. I think there's four lessons uh, regarding prayer. Uh, number one, how we need to pray for the word to advance. And so, you know, I want to encourage you to pray. If you're wondering what to pray for, pray for the word to advance. We're going to see that in our study today. Secondly, uh, pray for deliverance. And so in one sense, we're going to pray for, you know, the word to spread. And then secondly, we're going to pray for the messengers to be spared. We're going to see that today. Thirdly, when we pray, we want to pray in confidence. It's like, you know, God's going to hear your cry. And you're like here today where you're like, yeah, but you know, I'm not the, the best Christian. And you know what? Just, you know, give the Lord your heart, you know, turn from your sins and, and receive the blood of Jesus Christ that, that covers you. And you pray with confidence that Almighty God hears you. This is how we're, we're going to pray and then the last thing is we got to pray for guidance. And we're going to see how God wants to, you know, direct our hearts all the way to his love so that you and I could live this life. And so we'll see it more as we go through our text. Look what it says in verse 1. Paul says, Finally, uh, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you. And that we may be delivered from unreasonable and, and wicked men, for not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord concerning you, both that you do and will do the things we command you. Now may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. We learn about prayer, and the you know a lot of times people say, "Well, I don't know what to pray for." I don't know if any of you are there, and if you are, you know what? It's okay, man. I mean, the Lord knows. Sometimes we don't know what to pray for, but this is cool because He actually gives us the content of our prayer, and not that it's exhaustive, but man, these are things that we can actually pray. Number one, pray for the Word of God to advance. And in doing so, it's so cool the way that it starts. Paul actually asks for prayer. You know, it's amazing. Verse 1, finally, brethren, he says, uh, pray for us. You know, this is Paul the Apostle, man. This is the one that Jesus Christ appeared to on the road to Damascus. This is the guy that was plugged in. He was so close to the heartbeat of Jesus. And he's talking to a Thessalonian church, and they're just, you know, brand new believers. They've probably been believers for about three months. And, and here, this apostle has the, 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 just the wisdom and the humility to know that it's okay to ask them to pray for him, to pray for them in their ministry. I mean, he knows he needs prayer. Why? Because he knows he needs God. You know, and I hope that we as a congregation, that we as a, a Christian, you know, we come to that place that we believe in the power of prayer and that we believe that God can accomplish the impossible, you know? 
Ian Bounds said that prayer can do anything that God can do. I mean, anything that God can do, prayer can do. You want to move a mountain? Pray. You want to walk on water? Pray. You want to see someone get saved? Pray. You want to rescue your marriage? Pray. You want to stay pure? Pray. You want to break the addiction of drugs and alcohol? You pray. And you watch what God will do when you take your prayer life seriously and you not only pray, but I think it's okay to say that, you know, you can ask others to pray for you, you know, to pray with you. You can gather a team of people and, man, you start praying together and you watch what God does. You know, the salvation of the city, the transformation of a nation, you know, we're talking global things. We're talking personal things. You know, how many of us here are praying for our children, you know, to get saved or to get sanctified? My child, he will grow in godliness. He will go in righteousness all the way to heaven. Why? Because prayer can do anything that God can do. And yet sometimes our prayer life is not right. And sometimes we're not really praying the way that we should. And that's why James says in chapter 4, verse 2, he says that sometimes you do not have simply because you do not ask. You do not pray. And that's why the things are going on that really shouldn't be going on, you know? Paul wasn't hesitant to ask for prayer. We read that in his letters. Uh, for example, in Romans chapter 15, verse 30, he asked them for prayer. Uh, even from the Corinthian church, we're considered kind of a carnal church. He asked them for prayer in 2 Corinthians 1.11. Ephesians 6, 19 through 20, he said, Pray for us that God would give us courage and clarity when we preach. He knew the importance of prayer. And here we see he's asking for the Thessalonians to pray for them that the word of God would advance. That's what he begins with. Look at verse 1 again. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly. I love that. How many of you here just out of curiosity can, can run fast? You're like, I won't raise my hand. Because I was thinking if we got two people, we can do a race right here. Yeah. <laughs> You know, that it would run, that it would run fast, right? That it would spread rapidly, that it would go forth literally unhindered. And it speaks of people running hard, running to win. And that's what he's saying. Can you guys do me a favor? Can you pray for me? We're ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we need your prayers that the word of the Lord would run, and not just run, but run swiftly, run with urgency, right? I mean, metaphorically, it speaks of the message of the Lord spreading rapidly. And undoubtedly, Paul was thinking of uh, Psalm 147, verse 15. The Bible says that he sends out his command to the earth, and his word runs very swiftly. You know, this is what we want. This is what our country needs. This is what Almani needs. We need the word of the Lord to run swiftly. You know, we need a repetition of the book of Acts, which is what we saw in the book of Acts, chapter 12, verse 24. It says, the word of God grew and multiplied. In Acts 13, 49, it says, and the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region. You know, and if you're wondering, like, like what can I pray? You know, I don't know how to pray for my church or for my pastors or leaders, you know, or whatever. And God is saying, well, this is what you can pray. Pray for the word of God to run swiftly, that it would spread rapidly, right? 
you know, and we go out into, into the city of Almani, and we go into, on, on Garvey, and we go on Valley, and we go to King Taco, you know, and we go to Titos, I mean, you name it, we spread the word, right? And then what ends up happening is, you know, we go out, and we get into a van, and we caravan down to Mexico, and the word spreads. And then you get into a plane, you travel 8,000 miles to Cambodia, and the word spreads. And then you talk to your son, and the word spreads, and he talks to his son, and the word spreads. And then he talks to his friend, and then his friend, and next thing you know, the word of the Lord is running swiftly. And in one sense, Paul is saying, well, this is our responsibility as a church, but it's not going to go anywhere unless there's the anointing of the Holy Spirit behind it. And the anointing of the Holy Spirit only comes when we get on our face and we begin to pray. You know, and that's how it works. It's so simple. It's so cool to see you guys coming into a church. You're hearing the word of God. Then you go out into the highways and byways and you go out to your workplace and you go out, you know, all these different locations and you know, like Paul said to Timothy, it's, it's really simple. The things you heard that you heard from me, commit these to faithful men who then will be able to teach others also. And that's how the word of God spreads. You know, when the word of God spreads, it says in the book of Acts chapter 6 verse 7, that people are going to get saved. It says there, the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. And I was thinking about this fire. I don't know if you guys heard about the fire that happened there on Arden in Almani. It was on the news. And, you know, my wife and I just happened to be driving by that day, and we saw the Red Cross, and we saw all these things going on there, and and so we knew something was happening, you know, and there was a fire, I guess, at 20 people living in the small location. Now they're displaced. Of course, my heart goes out to them. Physically, you want to help them. But spiritually, you guys, there's another fire. It's the lake of fire that we have to fight. There are people that we have to help. It's the most important thing that we can be engaged in. And what Paul is saying is you got to pray for that word to spread so that people will get saved. I mean, even he says right here in Acts 6, 7, the priests, you know, and those are people that, you know, we would think that there's no way they'd get saved. They're so far out there. But you want to know whoever it is that comes to your mind, you're thinking, I don't know if they'll ever turn to Jesus Christ, but they will as we continue to pray. I mean, this is what we want. We want people to get saved. Paul says, number one, pray for the word of God to advance. It would run swiftly. And then secondly, that it would be glorified. You know, and I can probably put it this way. You guys, when you're praying, pray for the word of God to run. Secondly, pray for the word of God to rise. To rise up into our hearts and into our eyes and into our mentality that place where it belongs. You know, I'm reminded of some of the older churches, and, you know, we don't do this. Calvary Chapel is more casual. You can come in here with jeans and a T-shirt, and you feel comfortable. But some of those old liturgical churches, you know how they would begin their service? They would begin their service with the, the, the minister. He would walk in like this. Imagine that if you guys saw me doing that, walking in from the back like this, you would think, he's weird. I'm out of here. But, but what's, what's the symbolism there? He's saying, it's saying that the man of God is under the authority of the word of God. 
And we have to pray that people see this for what it is, that, that this word would run, that this word would rise, that this word would be glorified in the hearts of the people. You know, life isn't real complicated. Let me tell you how it works. The devil's a liar. And the world is his megaphone. And all he's doing is bombarding us with lies. This is the truth. And as we allow this word to rise, and as we pray, Lord, let people see it for what it is, then God will do such a great work. You know, he says right here that this word would rise. He says, just as it is with you. You know, I like that that this word would run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you. And that's how the Thessalonians saw the word. Remember back in 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13, it says, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. You know, I pray that you guys would be blessed in having a Bible in your laps and having the truth in your hearts. Pray for this message to spread. For, pray for this message to be honored. Pray for the gospel, for God's word to advance. You know, if we see God work in that way, then you watch what the Lord will do. You know? And what will happen is you'll actually, and I think what happens a lot of times, you know, Mike McIntosh, he has a, a pretty cool book. It's called uh, 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 Falling in Love with the Bible. And, and it's not that you necessarily, you know, worship the book. We don't worship the book, but we worship the one who wrote it, the one who preserves it, the one who delivered it, the one who gave us this love letter. We worship him. And, and so many people in the church are not honoring it. They're not, you know, placing it in their life the way they should. They're not reading it. They're not even reading it. And what God wants us to do is to get in the, in the Bible. You know, when I first got saved, no one had to hit me over the head with a hammer. I just knew by the Holy Spirit that I needed to turn my TV off every once in a while and I needed to get in the Word, and I needed to start the Word, start the, the, my day by, by being in my, in my closet, so to speak, in my garage, and in my Bible, and on my knees. I can't stand before men unless I've knelt before God. And, and I want to encourage you guys, and I know you might think it's kind of impractical, but it is so practical. You start reading this Bible, you start falling in love with the God of the Bible, and you watch what the Lord will do in your life. I've told you a million times that, 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 that this book will keep you from sin, but sin will keep you from this book. And so you get in the Word, and you learn it, and you live it, and you read it, and you heed it. You saturate yourself in the Scriptures, and you watch what God will do. You know, I read a story about a man. Robert Sumner has a book. It's called The Wonders of the Word of God. And he, and he writes a true story about a man who lived in Kansas City who was severely injured in an explosion. Apparently, his face was hit. He lost his sight. He lost his hands. Uh, he was severely wounded. And the thing is, is he had just become a Christian. And he was really devastated and disappointed that he could no longer read his Bible. But he heard about a lady in England who actually read Braille 
with her lips. And so, you know, hoping to do the same, he sent for some books of the Bible in Braille, but much to his dismay, he discovered that the nerve endings in his lips had been destroyed by the explosion. But in the process, as he was trying to read the Bible with his lips, one of his, uh, I guess his tongue touched one of the pages, and he happened to know that he could feel the Braille with his tongue. And suddenly he was, you know, he was just blessed with this understanding that he could read the Bible using his tongue. And so this book talks about how when it was published, this man had read the entire Bible four times with his tongue. And I, and I just read that and I think, you know, how many of us have, you know, all our senses, we have both eyes, we have good eyes. You're not like me. You don't even need glasses, man. And you're not reading the word. And so what do we need to pray? Pray, Lord, that this word would, would advance, that it would run, that it would rise, that people would see it for what it is. Psalm 34, verse 8, it says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. That's what this guy did, huh? He definitely did that, man, as he's reading the Bible. And so as you're praying, number one, I want to encourage you to pray that this word of God would advance. Another thing to pray for is there in verse 2, pray for deliverance. It says, And that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for not all have faith. You know, in those days, you're a Christian, you're a disciple of Christ, and it was dangerous. It was dangerous for the Thessalonians. And in one sense, it was dangerous for Paul, who was writing the letter from Corinth. And so what does he do? He asks for protection. Uh, just out of curiosity, when you guys get in your car and you drive away, do you guys pray? A lot of you do, huh? And it's just kind of like a habit because, you know, you know that you need the protection of the Lord. I know when I go out on a missions trip, it's kind of funny going to Cambodia. My dad was really worried about me. He's all, it's a communist country. I know it's not, Dad. It's, they like Americans, you know. And I was talking to this other guy the other day. I remember when we were going down to Mexico, it was during a dangerous time. And people were saying, oh, you shouldn't go. And man, let's just pray. You know, God's our, our protection, right? Praying for deliverance, you know. And so Paul asked the Thessalonians to pray for them as they're there in Corinth. You know, I think it's helpful to know that the letter was written from Corinth and Paul had experienced much opposition there. According to the book of Acts chapter 18, 9 and 10, if you read that, Paul was actually in Corinth and he was afraid to speak because of the physical danger. But this is what happened, man. It's a trip. Uh, Jesus came and appeared to him. Jesus came and was right by him and said, don't be afraid, Paul. I have a lot of people in this city and no one is going to hurt you. And that was different than the other cities that Paul had been to. Every other city he got kicked out. He was physically, you know, expelled. But this one he wasn't. And when I read this right here, part of me thinks is maybe it was because he had asked the Thessalonians to pray. And so he was able to stay there for 18 months ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ in this city of Corinth. And I think, wow, Lord, the power of prayer, huh, to protect your people. You know, do you believe God answers prayers? You know, do you pray for your kids when they're out there driving? 
especially when they just get their license. <laughs> I tell you what, my, my daughter's just starting to drive, and my son, he's about to get his license, and man, I have a feeling it's going to do a number on my prayer life, man. <laughs> Stay off the sidewalks, that's all I have to say. <laughs> you know, but we pray for their protection, right? I hope you guys believe that as you pray for your children, that you pray for your church, you pray for your peers or your parents or your pastors, you pray for your messengers and those missionaries, I hope that you believe in the power of prayer. You know, I read a story about a, a teacher in the children's ministry who asked his uh, third graders to write a letter to missionaries who were in a third world country. And he, and he told the children, he said, just to let you know that these missionaries, they're really busy, so they might not be able to, to answer you. They might not be able to, to send you a letter back, but can you just send a letter to them and let them know that you're praying for them? And so the kids are, okay, teacher. And so they start writing the letter. One of the kids, he wrote this. He said, I'm writing this letter to let you know that I'm praying for you, but don't worry, I'm not expecting an answer. And you know, as we write a letter, maybe to missionaries, we might not get an answer from them, but I pray that we would know we're going to get an answer from God. God will answer if we ask in faith as people yielded to his will. And man, God will blow your minds, you guys. Jeremiah 33, verse 3 says, Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. You know, here in, the, in, the, in this text, it's interesting, verse 1, where he says, pray for us. It's, uh, it's a present tense imperative, and that means it's a command that to, is to be obeyed continuously. In other words, I command you, keep on praying. Keep on praying for the word of God to advance, for it to run, for it to rise. Keep on praying for deliverance. And when you pray, I want you to pray in confidence. Look at verse 3 again. But the Lord is faithful, who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord concerning you, both that you do and will do the things we command you. And I remember a while back, I was reading uh, the passage about Abraham. And when the Lord came to Abraham, uh, Abraham, he fell on his face. But the Bible says that he laughed in his heart. And I was thinking about that. I said, Lord, I wonder if I ever do that. I wonder if like when I'm praying, you know, for my kids, or I'm praying for my wife, or if I'm praying for the church, or, you know, whatever the case may be, that I might be looking good, I might be on, the, on my knees or on my face or whatever, going through the motions. But I wonder, Lord, if there's a, a part of my heart that doesn't believe. And I was just like, Lord, take it out take it out because I know and I've learned as I read my Bible and I've seen church history I know that Lord you want people who believe in you you want people who are confident in you I'm not that faithful but look what it says in verse 3 but the Lord is faithful the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one you know faithfulness it speaks of an enduring consistency it's the opposite of, uh, can I just use the word flakiness? You guys know what flakiness is, right? It's the opposite of faithfulness. God is not a flaky God. He's not a shaky God. He's a sure God, right? 
He will always be there every day and in every way and every time you pray, God will hear your cry. And we have to really make sure that we understand who he is. He's the the faithful one, loyal, constant, and steadfast. I'm reminded of Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. It says, Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You know, and I've told you guys before, you know, maybe it's a, a routine, but it's still fresh in my mind. When I wake up in the morning, I always thank God. I say, Lord, thank you that you helped me fall, as- fall asleep last night. How many of you here, does anyone here have problems sleeping? My heart goes out to you. I, I don't have that problem. I, I can sleep while I'm driving. Some of you are sleeping during church service. It's okay. I still love you, okay? <laughs> That's all right. But you know, I mean, I thank him that he helped me fall asleep. I, ha- I thank him that he sustained me all night while I slept. Do you ever think about that? That while you're sleeping, you know, you're kind of hibernating, right? You're recharging. God's got you. He's got you under control. And then I thank him that he wakes me up in the morning. Because not everybody wakes up in the morning. So I always thank him. Lord, thank you for that. Thank you that that sun is rising. Lord, thank you for the birds that are singing. Thank you for my heart that's beating. And thank you that I have another day and it's another chance to be the man that you want me to be. Because every single day is another opportunity. Every single day is a new chance, so to speak. And that's the faithfulness of God. That's what lamentation speaks of, man. And when we have prayer, we're confident in this, in who he is. Not as much as confidence in who we are, but in who he is. Notice what it says right here, that he will establish you. That means to make stable or strong. It means to fix or make firm. He will guard you. I mean, have you ever considered the fact that not only is God your guide through life, but he's also your guard through life? You know, and I, I was looking this up on the internet um, yesterday. I'm like, oh, man, I wonder like how many bodyguards the president has. You know, and someone said there was 17 uh, at all times. You know, some of them you're easier to see. Others, uh, you're not, you know, you're not. I was thinking, wow, and they're probably trained well, and they're probably excellent, you know, secret service guys. But then I was thinking in contrast, but what about the bodyguard that we have? You ever think about that? That God's your bodyguard, <laughs> and he takes care of you physically, emotionally, spiritually. He's your shield. He goes before you. We even sang that song earlier out of Psalm 139. You hem me in, behind and before. He's always there. See, and we pray for that. Lord, you know what? I, I pray in confidence. I know who you are. You're the faithful one. And I believe, Lord, that you will establish, Lord, that you will guide even from the evil one. You guys believe God is your protector? He is. And he will protect you when you are invincible until the day he wants to take you home. And when God wants to take me home, I'm cool with that. Because you know what? What does the Bible say? It's better to be home, right? Paul says, for me to depart is a lot better. (laughs) But right now I need to stay here for you. One day God will call us home and that's okay. Because we're fish out of water on this side of time. Right? This is not our home. 
That's our home. Heaven's our home. One day we'll be home with the Lord. Until then, you got to know, He will always protect you. But we need to pray for that, right? He will always protect us. I read a story about a man. His name is Frederick Nolan. And I guess he was fleeing from his enemies during a time of persecution in North Africa. And they were chasing him all over the place. And man, you know, over this hill and valley. And finally he came to a place where he was exhausted. And he had nowhere to go. He went into a cave. And he's just sitting there in a cave like a sitting duck expecting to die. And as he's there waiting his death, he suddenly saw a spider weaving a web. And within minutes, the little bug had woven a beautiful web across the mouth of the cave. And so the guys that were chasing him, his pursuers, they arrived and wondered if he was hiding there. But when they saw the unbroken web, they concluded it was impossible to enter the cave without dismantling the web. And so they carried on. They, they went on. He escaped because of that spider <laughs> spinning its little web right there. And I know you guys look, complain about spiders, huh? I've even known some guys that are afraid of spiders. And I'm like, hey, you're a guy. Don't worry. Just step on it, right? But man, isn't it cool to think that as he's there in this cave, God would send this spider to make a web. And in God's eyes, what he went on to say is this, where God is, a spider's web is like a wall. And God will protect you, man. Even if it's the evil one who's coming after you. Why? Because God is the faithful one. Here's the thing, you guys. Um, I, I encourage you to pray, okay? And when you pray, if you're wondering what to pray, pray for the word to advance. Pray for deliverance. Pray in confidence. Now, here's the thing, okay? You got to pray in confidence regarding God, who he is. He's a faithful one. But you want to know something else? Pray in, in confidence in the work that God is doing in the people, Look again there in verse 4. And we have confidence in the Lord concerning you. Both that you do and will do the things we command you. You know, I was thinking about this, uh, this young gal, you know, Whitney Houston's daughter. You know, 21 years old. I don't know all the details, but it doesn't look good. And I was just wondering, did anyone ever, like, believe in her? You know, like, believing in God, yeah, but then believing in her. I think there's a lot of young people who need someone maybe a little older coming alongside them, sometimes maybe even their parents. And rather than always, you know, putting them down and pointing out their flaws and, and criticizing them, you know, every once in a while, you grab them by the shoulders and you look into their eyes and you tell them, I believe in you. I believe that God is going to do a wonderful work in your life. That's what Paul is doing right here. He's giving them a vote of confidence. And, it's, you know, you might look at the person and you're like, well, I don't know. Well, get your eyes out the person and and get your eyes on the Lord. And then when you're there and you're praying and you're crying out for your whoever it is that you're, you're wanting to encourage, you're like believing, I believe God's going to answer these prayers. You know, and I tell that, you know, to my kids, even though I do have days where, you know, hey, I mean, you got to, you know, discipline them and give them a, a spanking every once in a while. 
But I believe in my son. I believe he's going to rise up and be a godly man. I believe in my daughter. I believe in you. As a church. That God's working in you. We're praying for you. And, and at the end of the day, you will obey. Because God is working. And this is apostolic faith. This is the church of God. You know what he said? He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I believe you'll overcome your drug addictions. I believe you'll overcome your desire to drink or the pornography. I believe. And we got to give people that vote of confidence every once in a while. And, you know, I just have this really, really, um, I have this, you know, weirdness about me, but I, I think it's, it's theologically kind of okay to just believe that everybody has a purpose. Everybody has a reason and a calling on their life. And I just, I pray and I believe and I'm confident that God's going to fulfill that calling in your life. That's what Paul is doing right here. He says, I'm, I'm confident in the Lord concerning you, both that you do and you, and you will do the things we command you. And you know, the things that Paul was commanding them um, were just the things that Jesus had commanded. If you remember in the, in the Great Commission, Jesus said to teach them to observe all things that I've commanded you. It's just teaching people the Bible. That's all, right? We see the same thing in 1 Corinthians 14.37. Because at the end of the day, look again, that, that's what we got to pray, that people would simply do the things, do the things, that Jesus commands. That's all. Life is simple. And you know, in many ways, it can be summarized in pray and obey, pray and obey, pray and obey. Just do what God asks you to do, right? It's so vital to keep God's commandments. And of course, it doesn't save you. You know, your faith in Christ, as you've turned from your sin and trusted in Jesus, that saves you. But now your obedience will sanctify you and your obedience will bless you. Your obedience to the Lord will protect you, right? You know, I read a story about a little boy who was riding his tricycle around the block over and over again. Finally, a policeman stopped him and he asked him why he kept riding his tricycle around the block over and over again. And the boy said that he was running away from home. And so the policeman asked him, well, why do you keep going around the block? And the little boy said, because my daddy said, I'm not allowed to cross the street. You know, you obey the, the commands of God is for your protection. I think of my little dog, Chip, and, you know, he goes sometimes in the backyard. He's been attacked by dogs before, right? And so the coyotes come in, and, and they want to eat him. And so what do we do? We put him in a dog. I'll call it a dog run, but it's really a cage, kind of. And, you know, Kip, Chip might be in there and thinking, I don't like this, and this is uh, these limitations and these boundaries and these borders and and he doesn't realize it's to save his life. 
That's all these commandments are, you guys. To save your life. You start praying. You start obeying. You make your heart clean. And you watch what the Lord does, right? We need to pray for the word to advance. Pray for deliverance. Pray in confidence. And the last thing is to pray for this guidance. Look at verse 5. Now may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. You know, the word direct, it means to make a straight line. Your heart, your heart, that's the most important thing about you, man. You know, uh, the Bible says that God doesn't look on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Man looks on the outward, but God looks at the heart. Your heart, where is your heart? You know, sometimes I wonder about my own heart because I like quesadillas. All my life, I've liked quesadillas. Does anybody here like quesadillas? You know what I'm talking about, right? I like pizza. I like cheeseburgers. I'm a dead man, right? I wonder sometimes, like, what my heart looks like. Like, what are the arteries like, you know? I wonder sometimes physically, and I'm trying to do a little better now, but maybe it's too late. I don't know, but the bottom line is, like, what, what about your heart spiritually? Like, where is it? You know, it's so cool that we can actually pray. Paul here actually prays for the Lord to guide their hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. I'm so grateful to God that he can meddle with the middle, that he can handle our hearts. You know, 1 Kings 8.58 tells us that God can incline our heart towards him. And 1 Chronicles 29.18 reveals that God can even fix our hearts towards him. Psalm 119.36, we read the prayer of the psalmist who asked God to incline his heart towards God's testimony. So when we pray, God can actually, you know, direct our hearts where it belongs. It's so beautiful to see. But we need to keep our heart, the Bible says, with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. You know, Jesus said this in Matthew 15, 8, these people, they honor me with their mouth, they draw near to me with their mouth, and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. You know, where are we really, you guys? Is your heart where it belongs? Well, you're like, well, where does my heart belong? This is where it belongs. Verse 5 says, in the love of God. That's where your heart belongs. Your heart belongs into the love of God and the patience or suffering or endurance of Christ. You see, God wants to guide our hearts into a deeper understanding of God's love. And that love is perfectly demonstrated when our Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary. You know, this uh, celebration thing that we're having, I think it's February 8th, about the love of God. I encourage you guys, come out if you can, you know, because I, I wonder if, uh, if this young lady, I wonder if she knew how much God loves her. I don't think so. I, I, I think that all the people that find themselves struggling, they're struggling with that that they don't realize how much the Lord loves them. Yeah, he's going to slap you upside the head every once in a while. The Bible says, whomever the Lord loves, he disciplines, right? But man, he loves you with a love that is an everlasting love. 
And we need to pray um, for our people to be, you know, a people whose hearts are directed there. I don't get it, Lord. I mean, I don't understand it, but I know that's what the Bible says, and I know it's true. I wonder if there's anyone here, you can go back 30 years, and you guys remember that song by Huey Lewis, The Power of Love? How many of you are old, just out of curiosity? <laughs> the power of love, that's what will change them. The power of love. The fear of God will change them on the inside. The love of God, the fear of God will change them on the outside. The love of God will change them on the inside. You go back 30 years, and Huey Lewis sang about it. Um, you go back 20 years, and there was that song by Delirious. It said, I could sing of your love forever. And I love that song. I still listen to it all the time, by the way. It says, over the mountains your river, and, and the sea, your river flows with love for me, and I will open up my heart and let the healer set me free. See? I'm happy to be in the truth, and I will daily lift my hands, for I will always sing of when your love came down. And then he goes on to sing, and I will sing of your love forever. You guys should get that on iTunes if you don't have it. Even though it's 20 years old, it's one of the most amazing songs in the church. Because really, that's the bottom line, you guys. I think when we find ourselves struggling, and I don't have time to go there, but later on I encourage you to read Romans 8. It says, nothing can separate me from the love of God. And you read Ephesians, and you read Ephesians chapter 3, 14 through 21, and talks about how we get rooted and grounded in the love of God. I think a lot of times people think, well, you get rooted and grounded in, you know, theology and, and doctrine. And yes, there is a place for that. But what is it that makes people come and go? And why is it that they get scattered all over the place? It's because they're not rooted and grounded in the fact that God loves them. And that love will never change. No matter what you do, He will always love you. And so I encourage you guys. Man, these are some really neat things to pray from our text today. Pray for God to advance his word. Pray for deliverance. Pray for in confidence. Pray for God's guidance upon our hearts. In other words, um, my, 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 my prayer is that we would actually begin to, to pray uh, more. Let me close with one last uh, illustration. I think we have that, that picture. I want to show you guys this picture. People, I'm not going to watch the Super Bowl, you know, the, the commercials and, you know, different things. And you know what? Yeah, you know what? I don't know. Close your eyes during those times. And everybody has, you know, their beautiful personal convictions. And I thank God for that. But you want to know something? God's doing a work. God's doing a work. I mean, we saw what he did with the Seattle Seahawks, right? I'm <laughs> just joking. <laughs> You know, um, I don't know if you guys heard about the game last week. My son was asking me, what's the score, Dad? And, and I thought it was over, you know, but the Seahawks, they made this amazing comeback, and, and they won the game. And Russell Wilson, the quarterback for the Seahawks, he's a, a very committed Christian, and he would tell you it was an answer to prayer. And again, I can't doubt that. But the most important thing is I was blessed to see how after the game, you know, a good group of guys, they got together, unashamed. Um, some might say before a national audience, but I would say before 
an audience of one. That they bent their knees and they bowed their heads and they humbled their hearts and they prayed. And they prayed right there. They prayed right there in the middle of the field. And they, and they prayed to the living God. Win or lose, it didn't matter. Rain or shine, didn't matter. Good times, bad times, it doesn't matter. God, we are your men. God, we are on your team. And Lord, we pray to you. And I was thinking, well, why are they doing that? Why, why are they doing that? And I, I honestly believe that they're doing that in part, at least, to send out a call to our country, to send out a call to all who would see that we need to bend our knees, that we need to, to pray, not just play, that we need to pray. And here we see today, for the word of God to advance, for deliverance, for confidence, for guidance. And, and I would like to even do that now, Lord, we just come before you, Lord, as your people, thanking you, Lord, that we can pray, Lord, to you, that, Lord, you made a way. Father, I just ask that you would continue to work in your beautiful church, and you bless us, Lord, with your love and your power and your anointing, and you continue to raise up moms and dads, Lord, that are honorable to you, friends, workers, ministers, Lord, servants of the living God. That you heal us, Lord, deep in our hearts. That you heal us with that unconditional love that you have for us, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, you bless your church. Lord, if there is anyone here today who doesn't know you, Lord, that today would be the day of salvation. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.